Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Men's Roundtable. Glad you're joining us. Uh, the demons of technology work with us all the time. Uh, I had a pre-recorded message we were trying to work in this morning, and uh, but we'll go live now. Uh, Phil will be joining us shortly from Fairhope. Jeff and Jeff from the control centers uh, bringing us all together. We're working through this uh, new Google Meets or whatever the app is this week uh, in trying to find a way to get around some of the blockage that we've had from copyright infringement uh, thoughts and social media through YouTube and Facebook and other uh, means that we've tried to bring meetings to you. But uh, we hope that this will be a little more successful. Guys, I heard somebody say the other day that uh, July started, Jumanji Level 7 has begun. We've gone through killer hornets, we've gone through the coronavirus, we've gone through pandemics, we've gone through looting and rioting and racial tension and everything else. Lola knows what July will bring us, but uh, we will continue the series in the wilderness until we return back to ceasefire. Uh, I am just uh, thankful that um, we're able to meet this way and see some familiar faces. Glad you're with us this morning. You know, I was thinking about uh, everything that's going on and how we're in troubled times and just interesting thought. Yesterday, I was reading back through the paragraph, which Phil will read shortly, uh, our introductory paragraph for the wilderness. In that, it says that God will use these wilderness times to draw us back to him. Isn't it interesting that in the wilderness time, we can focus on the wilderness itself, or we can open our eyes and open our heart to God. I was reminded by this recently when I saw a lady and a young child walking down the sidewalk. I was at 51 trying to get out into the, into the highway, uh, and traffic coming left and right, and busy as all get out, just couldn't hardly work my way into the traffic. And I was reminded of that lady and that toddler walking down the street of the presence of God. Am I focused on the traffic moving left and right, trying to get in and trying to figure out where I fit in? Or do I turn to God and take the peaceful walk, holding his hand as he guides me through this wilderness series, in this wilderness time? May your hearts be open. May you receive the message. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the men that are gathered here. We thank you for those who will join us later in a recorded message. We thank you for each family represented. Thank you for Jeff and Jeff, for Phil and his dedication, for Chris preparing the handout. Lord, we thank you for this technology that allows us to come together. We ask that you bless this time. Thank you for your son who died on the cross for our sins so that we could be with you. In his name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, Phil, you need to unmute. All right, I've unmuted. All right, good morning, gentlemen. Joe, thank you for that introduction. Uh, Jeff, I can't see you, so I assume that I'm... Um, uh, I am communicating to all the guys. You are, you are. All right. Thank you, Jeff, for that verbal signal that I'm good. So, gentlemen, glad you're tuned in with us. Um, I'm here on the uh, patio in uh, Fairhope, Alabama, after the severe thunderstorm that we had yesterday. Um, and uh, it did not knock the humidity out. It, it lowered it just a little bit, but uh, we are highly humid. Uh, it is summertime uh, in L.A., lower Alabama. And uh, I'm glad you've uh, tuned in with us. And I want to offer you a song uh, that I hope will open all of our hearts uh, to what we want to talk about this morning. And um, this is a song by Mercy Me. And 
what we're talking about uh, in another uh, episode in uh, the book of Numbers um, is the idea of hearing uh, from God. And I love this song uh, because it's the idea of listening. And um, as I've often said, if we had to summarize what it means to walk with God in one word, what I would say that Scripture is very clear on is listening, that God is always about making himself known to us, revealing himself. And so I want you to listen to um, the words to the song uh, there. If you've printed out your notes, you can follow on the back. Chris always does a good job putting the notes together. Word of God speak by mercy me. I'm finding myself at a loss for words. Now, some of us don't even know what that means, but that's a good thing. And the funny thing is, it's okay. The last thing I need is to be heard, but but to hear what you, God, would say. Word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see your majesty, to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. May you hear the voice of God, and may it open your heart to what he has for us this morning. I'm finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing it's okay, the last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say, word of God speak, would you pour down like rain, washing my eyes to see. Your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God speak. I'm finding myself in the midst of you beyond the music beyond the noise all that I need is to be with you and in the quiet I hear your voice word of God speak would you pour down like rain Washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know that you're in this place. Please let me stay and rest in your holiness. Word of God, speak. Would you pour down? 
washing my eyes to see your majesty to be still and know it's your Finding myself at a loss for words, and the funny thing is, it's okay. Amen. Be on the alert. Stand firm in your faith. Act like men. Be strong. Words from 1 Corinthians 16:13. Gentlemen, we uh, continue in our series into the wilderness because we are uh, understanding and embracing the dark times of life. Follow with me as we read our introductory paragraph. Words translated as wilderness occur nearly 300 times in the Bible. I've read this so many times since January, I can almost uh, recite it. Um, wilderness seasons are brutal, but God is powerfully at work in the wilderness seasons of our lives. The only question is, do we have eyes to see it, or ears to hear it for that matter? In order for God to give us the choice whether or not to trust him, he must present us with a moment of crisis, and since he wants us to seek help from him, he brings us through the wilderness to remove all other help first, pruning us. I had a guy uh, in my office just this week, and, and he uh, I'm, I'm not used to hearing that terminology in my office, uh, but he was a pastor, so he understood biblical language, and he said, you know, I'm, I've been going through a season of pruning, haven't we all? When we're in a wilderness season, it's easy to lose sight of God's protection, provision, and preparation. We might even wonder, how can I trust God's goodness when I'm in this desolate place? But remember Jesus. He went through the ultimate wilderness, the desolation and humiliation of dying under the curse of God. If that is the measure of God's love and commitment to us, then we can trust him in our own wilderness seasons. Let's journey together as we have been. Let's continue. So this morning, what we want to look at uh, is another episode out of the uh, book of uh, Numbers, and it's the idea of hearing the voice of God. I believe God does speak, just as the song says, and I, and I need to hear from God daily. So let's uh, go to work, pick up your pen, um, and I have three questions for you. I want you to, uh, again, journal this, just like uh, on your notes it says. This is a, this is a little journaling exercise. Uh, I like to think that, that in many ways we start with application uh, rather than end with application in a, in a sense. This is, uh, this is a coaching technique. A good coach uh, asks good questions. So I'm trying to challenge you 
with some questions. First question I want you to respond to is how do you listen to God? Now, now the question uh, Im implies that you actually believe that God can speak if you answer that question in a positive way. I I'm assuming that you believe that God will speak. How do you listen? How do you hear God? When, when have you heard from him? Pen to paper, answer that question. You know, um, many of you have heard me tell uh, stories of, of God speaking to me. I've never heard uh, an audible voice of God, but I truly believe that God has spoken to me um, numerous times. I mean, he speaks to me every day, but there's been several specific uh, episodes of um, dramatic hearing from God. Um, Carla and I were on staff with Campus Crusade for Christ. We uh, worked together at Penn State University uh, for three years. Two years, we were just best of friends. Um, I dated uh, uh, a lot of gals, had a lot of fun, uh, and she became my best friend. And the third year, in about the middle of November, third year we were working together, we're sitting in a staff retreat meeting. I'm sitting across from her, and I hear God speak to me, and he says, she's the one. Scared me to death. Uh, it was clear. I had never had a romantic feeling toward my, my good friend, uh, but at that point, um, I began to have strong romantic feelings, and uh, two months later, uh, I asked her to marry me. Uh, I mean, just eight weeks later, uh, but we had dated, in a sense, for almost three years, uh, developing a friendship. I heard God speak. She's the one. Um, many of you have laughed about butterflies and hummingbirds. Uh, Roan Hunter gives me a hard time about butterflies, you know, but when we came to Fairhope and we're looking at houses, I'm sitting down on uh, uh, the pier area uh, here in Fairhope. And I'm writing in my journal, and I can show you that journal. God, I, I, I sense you're doing something. We're looking at houses. Do you want us to have a house here? Do you want us to buy a house? And my phone goes off, and Carla says, uh, she and the girls were looking at houses. I was uh, just hanging out at, at the pier, and she says, I think I found the house. Get over here. And at that moment, a butterfly landed on my toe. Now, I believe that that was God speaking to me and affirming, I'm in this, listen, I'm going to do something. Now, you could just say, yeah, butterfly, you know, butterfly, butterfly. Well, uh, I, think it, I think it was God. But here's the deal. Whether it's Carla, butterfly, even, even when I got Duke, my dog, I felt like God said, go get a dog. I, I could show you in my journal. I was at Orange Beach on vacation, and God said to me, get a dog. And it, it was, it's a whole story. Um, but here's question number two that I want you to uh, listen to, and, I, and I'll qualify what the stories that I just told you. How important is prayer and Bible reading to your relationship with God? Or I would just say, for that matter, 
therefore you're hearing from the voice of God. How important is prayer in Bible study? I believe prayer in Bible study is alive. I, I believe it's real. I don't believe it's some sort of religious exercise. Prayer um, is intended to be an intimate moment with God. In fact, I've said to you before that in many ways, I think we could just drop the, the, the word prayer because it's, it's, it's kind of has become in, in many circles, in many of our cold, dead hearts, just an exercise of religion. But what prayer is intended to be is an intimate moment with God. I mean, you know, let's bow our heads and have an intimate encounter with God. That's, that's what we ought to be. That's what I'll be saying in my own heart. And when I read Scripture, I, I'm not reading it so I'll be ready for the next Bible trivia game that breaks out in the Walmart parking lot, which has never happened. But I hear the voice of God. And what I'm going to say to you is that even in those encounters, whether it be God uh, involving Carla in, in my heart, uh, a butterfly on my toe, and us purchasing a house and all that, I mean, I, did, I didn't just run out and ask Carla to marry me that day. I heard from God, but man, I was checking it in prayers like, God, was that really you? And I'm reading the scripture, God, speak to me, speak to me, keep me boundaryed. God, there's a butterfly on my toe, but does that really, is that really you? So I'm always checking and evaluating whether or not what I think I've heard, what I even believe I've heard in an intimate counter-existential experience of the voice of God through prayer and Bible study. Got to be. Got to be. It is a dangerous Phrase, one of the most dangerous phrases that uh, we can all say or have said to us is, quote, God told me. Oh, my goodness. Have I seen that phrase abused? So it's very dangerous if you think God told you to not evaluate it through prayer and Bible study. Absolutely critical. Absolutely critical. I do believe God speaks. But he never speaks outside of his intimate encounters with him in prayer uh, or Bible study in, in the sense of it, uh, of, it, of it being validated through those. He'll speak outside of those just as we go, driving down the road. He speaks. But you always want to check it with Scripture, the framework of how God speaks. Third question. Who do you know that's in the wilderness now? You and me. We all are. And God is at work. God has not abandoned us. Um, he has not abandoned us. He is doing his work, and may his work increase in us and through us. So, into the wilderness, hearing the voice of God. And we come to Numbers 22. And again, uh, Numbers is uh, a great book that's filled with just a lot of stories. And I wanted to, uh, uh, to read to you just three short paragraphs um, in Eugene Peterson's uh, uh, Message Bible, uh, obviously, uh, that I use. Um, and just three short paragraphs that kind of frame the book of Numbers. Uh, why, why the book of Numbers? You know, we've got Genesis, Exodus, uh, you know, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy. 
What's unique about numbers? Listen to this, just three short paragraphs. Becoming a truly human community is a long, complex, messy business. Simply growing up as a man or woman demands all the wisdom and patience and courage that we can muster. But growing up with others, parents and siblings and neighbors, to say nothing of odd strangers and mean enemies, immensely complicates the growing up. The book of Numbers plunges us into the mess of growing up. As I've said it to you before, the book of Numbers is, is really a wonderful book of lots of stories of the episodes that the children of Israel experienced in the wilderness. It was messy. The pages in this section of the biblical story give us a realistic feel for what is involved in being included in the people of God, which is to say a human community that honors God, lives out love and justice in daily affairs, learns how to deal with sin and oneself and others, and follows God's commands into a future of blessing, and all this without illusions. It's messy. There's no illusion. It is steeped in hardcore reality. It's tough. And then final paragraph. Many of us fondle a romanticized spirituality in our imaginations. Now, that, that is a sentence. Let me read that one again. Many of us fondle a romanticized spirituality in our imaginations. The, quote, God's in his heaven slash all's right with the world, unquote, sort of thing. When things don't go right, we blame others or ourselves muddle through as best we can, often with considerable crankiness, and wish that we had been born at a, dif a different time, Bible times maybe, when living a holy life was so much easier. Yeah, right. That's odd because the Bible, our primary text for showing us what it means to be a human being created by God and called to a life of obedient faith and sacrificial love, Nowhere suggests that life is simple or even natural. We need a lot of help. Book of us understand the difficulty of life and the presence of God in all of life. So turn over to Numbers uh, chapter 22, and we come to the story of Balaam. Numbers uh, 22. We pick up with verse 1 in the first six verses of Numbers 22. The people of Israel marched on and camped on the plains of Moab at Jordan Jericho. Balak, son of Zippor, learned of all that Israel had done to the Amorites. Um, just previously, as we talked about even last week, even in the wilderness, it wasn't like they were just sitting around eating manna and, and quail uh, all the time. They were fighting their way through the wilderness. They were engaged in battles with Amorites and Moabites, and, and there were battles going on even before they crossed over the, uh, the Jordan River. So they had just had a battle with the Amorites, and the people of Moab were in total panic because of Israel. There were so many of them. They were terrorized. It had been on the evening news that the Amorites had been defeated, and the Moabites were scared to death. All the TVs in Moab were 
telling the story. Moab spoke to the leaders of uh, Midian. Look, this mob is going to clean us out. A bunch of crows picking a carcass clean. And Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at that time, sent emissaries to get Balaam, son of Beor, Balaam, who lived at Pephor on the banks of the Euphrates River, his homeland. And Balak's emissary said, look, a people has come up out of Egypt, and they're all over the place, and they're pressing hard on me. Come and curse them for me. Put a curse on them. See, Balak was kind of like a voodoo witch doctor in New Orleans, if you will. And the Moab king was wanting Balak's help because he seemed to have a power that they wouldn't even have to go into battle. You know, Balak could kind of put kind of, uh, some kind of voodoo spell on them, and the children of Israel would be defeated. They're too much for me. Maybe then I can beat them. We'll attack and drive them out of the country. You have a reputation. Yeah, right. Good reputation. Voodoo doctor. Those you bless stay blessed, and those you curse stay cursed. It's quite a power. You can speak it, and it is. There's only one who really does that in the ultimate way, and his name is God. And the king of Moab elicited Balaam's help. Now, what's interesting is obviously Balaam is a pagan. Uh, he's a Gentile. He's not part of the children of Israel, and God speaks to him. God actually comes and speaks to him. Now, jump over with me uh, to verse 20. Um, chapter 22, still in verse 20. God came to Balaam that night and said, Since these men have come all this way to see you, go ahead and go with them, but make sure you do absolutely nothing other than what I tell you. Wow. Uh, we can take uh, um, a direction from God's word to Balaam, even in that. Only do what I tell you to do. And Balaam got up the morning, uh, in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went off with the nobleman from Moab. And as he was going, uh, though, God's anger flared. The angel of God stood in the road to block his way. And Balaam was riding his donkey, accompanied by his two servants. And when the donkey saw the angel blocking the road and banishing a sword, she veered off the road into the ditch. And Balaam beat the donkey and got her back on the road. It's like, poor donkey. Donkey got beat because donkey saw angel and went in the ditch. Balaam didn't see the angel. But as they were going through a vineyard with a fence on either side, the donkey again saw God's angel blocking the way and veered into the fence, crushing Balaam's foot against the fence, and Balaam hit her again. God's angel blocked the way yet again a third time, a very narrow passage this time. There was no getting through on the right or the left, no place for the donkey to go. Seeing the angel, Balaam's donkey sat down under him, just sat down. Balaam lost his temper, and he beat the donkey with a stick. Now listen to this. This is what watch this. Then God gave speech to the donkey. And she said to Balaam, What have I ever done to you that you have beat me these three times? The donkey speaks to Balaam. 
And Balaam said, because you've been playing games with me, if I had a sword, I would have killed you by now. Now, evidently, in Balaam's crazy head, a donkey speaking must not be that big of a deal because he just engaged him immediately. <laughs> it's like, really? I mean, if a donkey started speaking to me, um, I think I would run for the hills or start crying for my mama or sucking my thumb or something. But evidently, it wasn't a big deal to Balaam. The donkey said back to Balaam, am I not your trusty donkey on whom you've ridden for years right up until now? Have I ever done anything like this to you before? Have I? Balaam said, no. <laughs> Reasoning with the donkey. And then God helped Balaam see what was going on. He saw God's angel blocking the way, bandishing a sword, and Balaam fell to the ground, his face in the dirt. And guys, when we come face to face with God, that's what we do. We surrender. We bow the knee. We bow the knee. And it was true of Balaam. God allowed him to see what the donkey saw, but Balaam couldn't see in his own pride and arrogance. God's angel said to him, why have you beaten your poor donkey these three times? I have come here to block your way because you're getting way ahead of yourself. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she hadn't, I would have killed you by this time, but not the donkey. I would have left her off. <laughs> donkey saved your life, dude, is basically what God's saying. Balaam said to God's angel, I have sinned. This is amazing. A pagan Gentile. I have sinned. I had no idea you were standing in the road blocking my way. If you don't like what I'm doing, I'll head back. And then, and then this is key right here. And then, and then God said, uh, God's angel said to Balaam, go ahead and go with them, but only say what I tell you to say. Absolutely no other word. And so Balaam continued with Balak's nobles. Only say what I tell you to say. Wow. What a story. Um, you know, there's a number of things that we can learn from this. And, and one of the pieces here, of course, throughout, is this idea of, of listen, of course. You got to listen. Are you listening to the voice of God? Do you hear God's voice? Um, he speaks. It's what it means in, a, in as concise a way as we can grab hold of it to walk with God. Just listen. Be teachable. You don't know everything you need to know. Listen. And the first thing that we see in this idea of Balaam's um, donkey is respect. God's word is to be respected. Don't mess with God's word. The king of Moab even recognized God's power in Balaam's words. And he, he knew that Balaam had power, but Balaam surrendered and submitted uh, at least for a time on God's word. God's word is to be respected. And then uh, God was very clear. Do it and only it. And that's what I tell you to do. Don't go beyond what I tell you to do. 
again, even in 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 my examples, um, you know, butterfly, hummingbirds, uh, marry this girl. Then I, I wouldn't just go out and run off and do that. Even when I hear God speaking outside of His Word, I'm going to sit down in my quiet time and I'm going to search the Scriptures. I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to say, God, was that really you? Was that really you? The butterfly landing on my toe, was that you? Every time a butterfly lands on my toe, it's not always God. But I think at that moment, it was like God affirming. One of the things that I've started doing even, um, you know, most of you know Denny's Pennies story and how we use Denny's Pennies at uh, Deer Camp and Fish Camp and the symbolism of that and all that. One of the things that I do, and it's really amazing, is that when I'm doing my exercise walk in Fairhope and I, and I walk through the middle of town and down the hill and to the pier and all that, and even in other places, I'm always looking for pennies. Do you, it is amazing the number of just random pennies. I mean, you know, when, when I was a kid, dude, you get a couple pennies, you go to the store and get bubble gum and suckers and all that kind of crazy stuff, ride your bicycle, have a handful of pennies, and you have a handful of stuff. Chris, now, uh, a penny is uh, uh, valued as so little, people don't even pick them up on the street. But when I see a penny on the street, you know what I do? I say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. You just spoke to me, and you just affirmed your love for me. And I put it in my pocket, and I've, and I've, got, a, uh, I've got a jar uh, in here in, in, in my bedroom that I keep those random pennies. And it symbolizes to me that God has spoken to me on that day because again God speaks and he shows us that through the story God spoke to Balaam as clearly and directly as to Israel's own prophets and priests he used a voodoo doctor if you will my 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 label he was a um a man who believed in spirits and all of that crazy stuff. And there were, and there's power in that. I believe in that sort of thing, but he was not yielded to God because what, what we are invited to do is to discern God's voice. God will speak, but it's something that he will validate and affirm when it's him. He will affirm it through his word uh, in uh, listening prayer, and through others, and through counsel. I would have never married Carla if I didn't have others validate that. And of course, everybody was like, dude, dude, go for it. Absolutely. And obviously, best decision apart from coming to Jesus I ever made. But others affirmed that. Um, we continue uh, to use uh, Band of Brothers as kind of our case study and just to illustrate this point, and there is a beautiful scene um, in the Band of Brothers where um, um, after one of the great battles, um, they find theirself, uh, themselves uh, in a little town, and they find themselves in church. Um, and the priest brings in a children's choir to sing. And, um, you know, it's such a picture of just hearing God's voice in the middle of the battle. I want you to watch this scene. 
and may you hear the voice of God and even imagine in your own wilderness experience that God speaks. He does speak. May you hear the voice of God. We spent our night in Rashamp in a convent. It was the first time we'd spent a night indoors in a month. The sisters there brought in their choir to sing for us. It was heaven. The mood of the men was relaxed. We were finally being relieved and would soon be in Mormalan. Of course, in the morning, we found out Mormalan would have to wait. Hitler had launched a counteroffensive in Alsace, and we were bound for the town of Hagenau to help hold the line. But at least for that night, we didn't know it yet. That night, we were okay. I spent part of that night trying to come up with a roster for the company to see who we had left. We'd come into Belgium with 121 men and officers plus 24 replacements. That's 145 total. We were going out with 63. Garnier was badly wounded and Hubler died accidentally. Joe Toy had lost his leg. Among the dead were Heron, Mellet, Sawasco, Kenneth Webb, Harold Webb, Alex Pankala, and Skip Muck. Our month in Belgium cost us one good officer, Buck Compton, and one bad one, Norman Dyke. But we gained a good one in the end, so I guess we came out ahead. What is it? Nothing. Well, I'd better get back to the battalion before they disappear. You want to ask me, don't you? Ask you what, sir? You want to know if they're true or not, the stories about me. You ever notice with stories like that, everyone says they heard it from someone who was there. And then when you ask that person, they say they heard it from someone who was there. It's nothing new, really. I bet if you went back 2,000 years, you'd hear a couple of centurions standing around him yakking about how Tertius lopped off the heads of some Carthaginian prisoners. Well, maybe they kept talking about it because they never heard Tertius deny it. Well, maybe that's because Tertius knew there was some value to the men thinking he was the meanest, toughest son of a bitch in the whole Roman Legion. These, uh, these men aren't really concerned about the stories. They're just glad to have you as our CEO. 
They're happy to have a good leader again. Well, from what I've heard, they've always had one. I've been told there's always been one man they could count on. Let him into the Bois Jacques, held them together when they had the crap shell at him in the woods. Every day kept the spirits up, kept the men focused, gave them direction. All the things a good combat leader does. You don't have any idea who I'm talking about, do you? No, sir. Hell, it was you for a sergeant. Ever since Winters made battalion, you've been the leader of Easy Company. Oh. And uh, you're not going to be a first sergeant much longer, first sergeant. Sir? Winters put in for a battlefield commission and sink approved on your behalf. You should get the official nod in a few days. Congratulations, Lieutenant. Hearing the voice of God, leadership esteemed, promotion made, God calls a man in the midst of the wilderness to lead others. Hearing the voice of God in the wilderness, even through a donkey. But just quickly, lessons from a donkey, uh, lessons from the story of Balaam. God used a donkey to speak to Balaam. And one of the issues or, or, or one of the lessons is that God showed how he blessed his people. Um, if the Moabite king had had his way, uh, Balaam would have um, submitted a curse. And through that curse, um, God's people could have been wiped out. And even in the book of Nehemiah, see, this story is all through redemptive history. And in the book of Nehemiah, when the, when the children of Israel are trying to rebuild Jerusalem, this story is told to them in Nehemiah chapter 13. And it's told to them in terms of how God blessed his people, um, even in spite of a voodoo um, guy potentially putting a curse on them. God blessed his people. The other... The other idea here is as much as is, as it may seem that God's blessing was on Balaam, God was actually very angry with Balaam because Balaam's motivation was not godly. And over in the book of Second Peter, and I don't have time um, um, to read that, Second um, Peter uh, references how God was displeased with Balaam. So don't get the idea that just because Balaam didn't curse the children of Israel that God blessed him because his motive was wrong. And it's always important. Why do we say that we're God followers? What is our motive? God, search my heart and see if there be any hurtful thing in my heart. And then, and then finally, this idea of lessons from a donkey 
is to love your neighbor. And certainly in this whole story, you know, Balaam had gifts. And, you know, I've, I've met incredibly gifted men, much more gifted than I am. But your gifts are not the measure of your heart for God. God will even give gifts to a voodoo guy. But unless there is love for your neighbor and love for others, which Jesus said really is the measure, the test, the litmus test for us following God, then it's all for naught. So does God speak? Hearing the voice of God. How do we hear the voice of God? And I would say in all of this, Number one is listening prayer. Listening prayer. Isaiah 55, and again, I don't have time to read that, uh, is a beautiful passage, first five verses, of just hearing the, uh, the voice of God. God has a passion for being heard. And it's like in that passage it says, listen. God is pleading, listen to me. Listen, listen, listen. I bow my head every night, and I'm not going through my Santa Claus, Jesus, dust, grocery list, but I'm listening for God in my prayer life. God, speak to me. I need to hear from you. Every morning when I sit in that chair right over there and I get my journal out, I need to hear from God. I don't need to be talking. I need to bow my head in listening prayer. Contemplative prayer is what some call it. But I just, I need to be listening. And then finally is scripture. Wow. You know, as I've said to you many times before, man, I, I hope you've got a Bible that looks like an old beat up baseball glove, that it is worn and torn and um, it is used in order to feed you. Um, Eugene Peterson wrote a book that I love uh, entitled out of the book of Ezekiel. The title of the book is Eat This Book. I, w I would commend that you read that. And it is a book just about Scripture and about the beauty of Scripture. And, and as God told Ezekiel, eat this book. And when he ate it, it was sweet like honey. And every morning, gentlemen, all day, we need to be anchored in Scripture if you really want to hear. I mean, really want to hear the voice of God. He speaks through his word. I hear the voice of God when I read his word. Read his word. So this morning, um, I'm finding myself speechless. I need to hear from God. And may you hear from God in all the creative ways that he speaks, but primarily in your prayer life and in his word. Let me close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for the time you've given us. I thank you for my brothers and all that are uh, watching, listening, uh, sitting in this forum. And I pray that you would continue to speak to us and that we would have ears to hear. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great week, guys.
You hear me, Jeff? Yes. Can you hear me now? Yep, I can. I can. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I had it muted. Did we get all that? We did. Everybody's everybody's here, uh, and it's right. recorded, and we'll be able to replay it. And so we'll 